Leadership can be a little complicated. So in this episode, we wish to reduce that complexity to a model of leadership that is more easily understood. You see, leadership behaviors are knit together. Much like the complex network of the human brain, there is a great deal of interdependence between them. Research shows that there are behaviors that are far more powerful in separating highly effective leaders from the rest. But the most effective leaders have a balance of strengths from five different sectors. We call this the tent model. Welcome to the 90th percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zenger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna Corin, and joining me today is my friend and leadership guru and legend, Jack Sanger. Hello, Bree. Nice to be with you again. So lately, I have been reading David Epstein's book, which is called Range, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World, and I found it very fascinating. See, he talks about specialists and generalists, and in the book, he argues that having a broad range of skills experiences, and knowledge can be highly valuable in today's complex and rapidly changing world. So I'm curious, growing up, Jack, did your parents drive you to specialize in some sport or activity? Because I feel like in my world, if I don't choose a a sport for my kid by the age of four, then they're doomed. (laughs) (laughs) Or did you have this wide variety of activities and experiences? No, my parents were were the antithesis uh, of the modern-day helicopter parents. I'm not <laughs> sure if there was a term called submarine parents, but I, the only push I got was to take piano lessons, and, and that didn't last for a very long time. But yet, at a young age, I developed a fascination with magic, and, and my parents were highly supportive of that took me to the only magic shop that was an hour drive away from our home. And and that hobby has persisted throughout my entire life, but it was entirely of my own doing. There you go. Well, I've I've seen some of your magic shows. They're great. (laughs) I very much grew up a specialist. I was solely focused on one field, one field only. It was my entire life. And later on in life, I have become a generalist. And I would say that I would agree with Epstein. It's it's a it's a better route to kind of develop multiple different areas of, of your talents. Now, in the book, Epstein argues that while specialization can be effective in certain situations, it's often the generalists or individuals with a diverse set of skills and interests who excel and adapt better in various contexts. Now, we're talking about leadership today, and we really think that effective leaders are able to strike a balance between specialization and generalism, knowing when to apply each approach based on the specific needs of their organizations and the challenges they face. So I bring up this idea at the beginning of the podcast to set the stage for a model that we're going to present today. Because extraordinary leaders, they are not one-trick ponies. At Zenger Folkman, we firmly believe and state the importance of specialization and building upon your strengths. We talk about it all the time. But at the same time, we know that our strengths are powerful 
when combined with other behaviors. So, Jack, can you begin to paint a picture for our listeners of this leadership model that we have found to be so effective over the years? Absolutely. Leadership flourishes with a broad footprint. Think of a traditional tent with a center pole and four corner poles holding up an expansive canvas. The amount of space inside the tent is symbolic of the effectiveness of the leader. Through our ongoing research, we have found 19 differentiating leadership competencies that really stand out, and we have clustered them into five different areas, each representing one of those different tent poles holding up the tent. The center pole represents the leadership trait of character, honesty, integrity. We believe this is at the core of all effective leadership. Here are some ways that we kind of define that. Making decisions with the organization paramount in your mind versus allowing a personal agenda to influence decisions. Keeping commitments that are made. Treating everyone the same. No no smiling up and kicking down behavior. Trusting other people, assuming that they have good intentions, and not acting in an arrogant manner toward others. Events in the past years have provided dramatic evidence of the terrible price organizations pay when leaders lack these attributes. Great organizations have been obliterated by the behavior of a few key people. Industries have had their reputations seriously tarnished by leaders lacking character. Absolutely. The other day I was reading more about Sam Bankman-Fried, the fallen golden boy of cryptocurrency, who is going, it's on trial for what prosecutors are calling the largest financial fraud in recent history. And he really positioned himself as a man who was going to make crypto more secure and mainstream and not so risky. But ironically, (laughs) due to his unethical behavior, His company went bankrupt in a few days, and the losses for his customers and the industry, the crypto industry, were just huge and were felt all over. So yes, character should absolutely be the center pole for any leader. What other poles are holding up this very important leadership tent? On one corner, uh, the pole represents personal capabilities. And the first of these is is technical and professional acumen. This has several branches. One is technical knowledge and competence. The branch is product knowledge and language of the business that you're in. And the final element is professional skills, the ability to prepare good reports, make effective presentations, managing your workload efficiently, and being innovative. Finally, learning agility, uh, which not only is the ability to be flexible and quick, but also includes a willingness to ask for and act on feedback from others. These are the skills that should be acquired early in one's career prior to moving into any supervisory position. They are essential to the leader and just simply cannot be passed over. I think what's really interesting about these skills and this tent pole of technical and professional acumen is they're not really what you would consider or describe as leadership skills, right? That's right. And yet our research proves they must be in place for any individual to be perceived as a strong leader. And it makes sense. 
it would be hard to manage others if you don't know anything about your field. And I, I've had that before. And it's, it is very kind of like, especially uh, with, with, with technical abilities, you can't quickly or accurately solve the problems of your direct reports or reimagine how to improve a process if you don't know anything about it. So these skills in the personal capability poll really lay the foundation for success as a manager or a supervisor. And just like you said, they have to be acquired first. So what's next? What's the next poll? The second corner poll is a cluster of competencies around the leader's focus on results. And five behaviors make up this tent poll, including being results-driven, setting high goals that stretch your team, and accepting responsibility for the performance of the work group. It involves taking initiative with new programs, projects, and processes, and client relationships, or technology. Another crucial skill is the ability to make decisions so the organization can move forward, even in the face of ambiguity. And finally, risk-taking. Organizations need leaders who are willing to take acceptable risks and don't endlessly dither about decisions. Okay, so the behaviors in the focused on results poll have this pattern of taking action causing things to occur, pushing forward and and continual improvement. These are the leadership accelerators. Again, the ultimate measure of leadership comes in the form of the results the leader produces for the organization. So what's next? The companion set of skills to focus on results that's required for effective leaders is people or interpersonal skills. So These are extremely important to the success of any leader, especially since the demise of command and control styles of leadership. Mm -hmm. This temple, along with the one in the center, supports the most canvas. Hmm. Interpersonal skills include more differentiating competencies than any other cluster, and they are the most frequently connected with all of the other differentiating competencies. So these include being a powerful and prolific communicator, being willing to take the time and with, with sufficient frequency. It includes motivating and inspiring other people. It includes building positive relationships with others in the firm, developing other people, valuing diversity, and collaborating with other groups and people in the organization. You know, some organizations tolerate interpersonally impaired leaders mm-hmm. in the short run, but few will put up with it in the long run. The interpersonally inept leader causes too much broken glass and the loss of really good people. I'm thinking about what you said again about this poll has the most differentiating leadership competencies than any other and just how it's mm. one that cannot be overlooked. I mean, a leader's ability to connect and show empathy and compassion for others, it makes all the difference as they utilize these other skills to improve performance and encourage their teams to increase their discretionary effort. It's things like trust that make people willing to actually go that extra mile. It makes all the difference. So what is our final tent pole? With most organizations today in a constant state of change, from kind of dramatic growth to downsizing and restructuring, a critical skill for leaders is leading change. 
turbulent business environments put leaders to the test. Excellent leadership can turn a significant change into a fairly pleasant journey. Hmm. We know that the best leaders inspire their troops to rally around a change, whereas poor leaders have to push and persuade or even threaten employees to accept change. Hmm. This cluster includes being a champion for constant change, developing a strategic perspective for just looking over the horizon to see what's about to come. What are the major trends occurring in your industry, along with having an external customer focus and being the link to the outside world? Okay. So, yes. So, to reiterate our poles in this leadership tent, the center is character surrounded by the four poles that are personal capability, focus on results, interpersonal skills, and finally, leading organizational change. This simple tent metaphor communicates a number of really important things. Imagine your tent. If you only had one pole, no matter how tall that pole is, it's not going to make a great tent. It lifts very little canvas, and it's only when the poles are spaced apart, representing these different capabilities in these different areas, that the tent's able to grow in volume. And so the easiest way to expand the tent is by extending the poles, not by running around trying to elevate a drooping section of canvas. Yes. And it's also important to remember that there are few perfect tents. Yes. For most of us, one tent pole is higher than the others. This reflects a person's style and personality. And while a leader's tent does not tend to or need to be perfectly balanced, they also cannot have a, a really fatal flaw in any poll and still be an extraordinary leader. Mm. One temple can't be missing or be a very short stub yeah. <laughs> and still have ample volume in, in your tent. So true. And if you're terrible with people skills or leading any sort of change, you will start to see your tent collapse. So Jack, for people who have a lot of strength in one area or one pole, should they worry about balance? Bree, strengths are built by utilizing competencies in all tent poles. So the answer is yes. Hmm. Some have expressed concern about overused strengths, that a strength taken too far becomes a weakness. We saw no evidence of overused strengths in, in our data. Rather, we saw numerous examples of imbalanced strengths that by themselves could only take the leader so far. Imagine how preposterous it would be to tell an executive, would you please stop getting such good results or you're overusing that strength or you're too strategic in your thinking or you're too good at relating with people. That just is not the case. The key is lifting more of the tent by becoming a more effective leader in a broad way. And it's to get multiple poles higher in the air. If you have only the one tent pole, it pulls the, the entire tent around that one, that one single pole. area. <laughs> yeah. So we are kind of talking about the, the advantages of being a generalist, like we talked about at the beginning. And there's a great advantage to developing our strengths in these various tent poles that we talked about today. In a study Zenger Folkman did with over 200,000 leaders, we identified those in the top quartile on focus on results, but we're not in the top quartile for interpersonal skills. The likelihood of these leaders being perceived as great was the ninth percentile. 
We did the opposite and took the people who were in the top quartile on the interpersonal skills poll and not in the top quartile on focus on results. And they were in the eighth percentile probability of them being great. When we found leaders who were good at both focusing on results and interpersonal skills, the likelihood of that person being perceived as one of the top 10% of leaders leapt to the 82nd percent of probability. This fact powerfully reinforces the idea that effective leaders are not one-celled people who focus maniacally on just one thing. To the contrary, we have learned that leaders do at least five things well. They spread out their skills among their leadership tent. Similarly, success in changing the culture of an organization comes from doing several things simultaneously. No one thing by itself does much, but the combination of training programs, assessments, team building, and coaching initiatives is extremely powerful in developing truly extraordinary leaders. So right now we have a new ebook that has just been released that goes over all of this strength builder technology from our Extraordinary Leader program. Um, it talks about um, a lot of the leadership theories and models that we use at Sanger Folkman. I think you'll find it really fascinating. I'll leave the link for you to download that ebook in our episode notes. The 90th Percentile and Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corin. Jack Zanger and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you are interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com.